In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Eric Vanholtz about how you can build a business not reliant on Amazon. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 80. Today's episode is sponsored by Drip. Drip is the world's first e-commerce CRM and a tool that I personally use for email marketing and automation. Now, if you're ever in an e-commerce store, you need to give Drip a try, and here's why. Drip offers one-click integrations for both Shopify and Magento. There's robust segmentation, personalization, and revenue dashboards to give you an overview of how your automation emails are performing. One of my favorite features of Drip is the Visual Workflow Builder. It gives you a super easy way to build out your automation rules visually and see the entire process. It lets you get started quickly, but also build very complex automation rules. It's powerful, but also easy to learn, unlike a lot of email tools that offer the same type of automation. To get a demo of Drip today, you can go head over to drip.com BOE. That's drip.com BOE. Now onto the show. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Koleski, and I'm here today with Eric Bandholtz. Eric is the founder of Baird Brand, a men's grooming company that offers products for hair, beard, and body. With the help of his two business partners, he bootstrapped his business to seven figures and national distribution of the product line. Eric did this all without being on Amazon and generated their own sales on their own site. So I want to talk about how he did that and I asked him on the show today. So, hey, Eric, how you doing? What's going on, man? <laughs> Great to have you. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm excited for this. This is going to be a good podcast. Yeah, love talking to retailers that kind of built up their business um, from the ground up, especially bootstrapping because that's super interesting. Um, so first, just a little bit about the business. Um, what exactly, what are the products exactly? Yeah, so uh, like you said, Beard Brand is a men's grooming product. Obviously, with Beard in our name, uh, we have beard care products, um, but we've grown much beyond the beard over the past uh, several years. So the the top performing, well, I'll just kind of list them all out, but beard oil, uh, we have like a utility balm that you can use on your skin or your beard or your hair. We have a styling balm, which is a hair styling product. We have a sea salt spray, which is absolutely amazing. It gives texture to your hair a lot of volume. Again, another hair styling product. And then uh, we have our mustache wax. We have our combs. We, we custom make combs. We have brushes. We have scissors. We have this beautiful like uh, grooming kit that has all the tools in this black walnut dovetail cornered box. We've got shampoo, conditioner, and then we have a uh, so we have a utility balm. We also have a utility bar, which is a cleanser that you can use as a shampoo, as a beard wash, as a skin cleanser, even as a shave soap or a facial soap. Uh, if that's what you want, it's nice and gentle. It can work anywhere. So we've got a, a pretty robust offering. I think we have over like 120 SKUs out there. So we've we've definitely built a, a fair amount of products. Yeah. Wow. 120 SKUs. So I usually ask folks, you know, did you have this problem or, you know, how, what got you into this? But for folks listening to audio, if you check out the video, he has a fantastic beard. Um, so I kind of, I'm guessing you had some issue and that kind of uh, started this, right? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, my, my issue is probably different than what you would first think about. I used to be a financial advisor. At, different uh, issue. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At a giant bank. And and working there, they, they kind of had this pressure to, to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to dress a certain way, to groom yourself a certain way. And 
And it's a cool style, but let's be real. It's just not me. Like I, I kind of felt like I was showing the world someone else who I really was. So I, I, I actually quit working there and I, I tried to start up like a, essentially like a freelance design business. And in the process, I grew my beard out. I would continue to go to networking events at, at, at these business events. They would call me duck dynasty or ZZ top or, you know, uh, Grizzly Adams. And those are all like cool bearded dudes and like icons of the beard world. But as like an entrepreneur, as a designer, like those are not people I, I identified with. Like I'm a, I'm a completely different guy. I'm a, I'm a formal financial advisor. I'm a former sales guy, former like designer or current designer. And I started to, you know, uh, get annoyed with that as well. So I ended up attending this event where I started meeting other guys like me. I, I remember meeting a minister and like a stay-at-home dad, a doctor, lawyer, like it was at this like beard related event. And then it kind of dawned on me that there's this entire community of, of guys out there who don't really fit the traditional stereotype. So that's when I came up with the idea of um, calling this community or calling individuals in this community, urban beardsmen and beard brand was going to be the community or the company that united urban beardsmen and really gave them the tools to feel confident, not just like about having a beard, but really confident about being themselves and being the person that they want to be and the person they want to show to society and ultimately using grooming as a catalyst and a tool to make their lives better, you know, improve their relationships with their, their peers and to really like kind of level up and step up their game in their lives. I love that. So it's like this tribe almost of something because there are, you know, the beard if you're, I don't know, drive a drive a Harley, that sort of thing, like that beard. But then there's also like you work in a corporate office and you see folks that have a button down shirt each day, but they still have a, a well-groomed um, beard. So that's kind of more of the the audience just shooting for it. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, you know, we serve any customer who who understands what our mission is about. Uh, our mission is to make men look and feel awesome. And it's like through that that awesomeness that they can derive their confidence to take on the world and ultimately make the, the world a better place. So I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you dress like. If you if you are that Harley guy or if you're that musician or if you're that woodsman and you identify with a brand, you know, it's a it's a big open camp. Like we're not we're not an exclusionary type of company. But at the same time, you know, like these are our roots of our companies. Like this is this is where we came from and and we believe that, you know, a, a well groomed beard is completely different than, you know, a beard that, that you would see like a homeless guy wear or someone who just doesn't take care of it. And it can really add like a, a lot of effect and a lot of uh it can bring attention to you, which puts you in a position of power and leadership where you can utilize like a well-groomed beard as, you know, really like a leader in your community. That's funny. At points in my life, I've actually had a beard and there is a big difference between just like letting it grow versus actually like grooming it. Like it actually, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah this is actually like a very, you kind of not having one, it's hard to explain, but when you just grow your facial hair, you basically look homeless. But if you groom it correctly, then you, it looks very different. It looks very, it actually looks like clean if you do it correctly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, like it feels better. Like my beard is like soft and, and like it smells great because, you know, uh, our products have fragrances in it and the fragrances smell amazing. And then it's just, uh, I, I don't know, like for me, like I, I, I almost feel 
lost if I, I didn't go through my normal grooming routine. And, and of course, like the beard's part of it, but my hair's part of it and the shower, deodorant and everything, you know, just look nice, smell nice and uh, feel nice. Yep. I like it. So when we were talking kind of, you mentioned that so early on you decided to launch the business, but stay very like independent. So on your own site, not go to something like Amazon, because that's where a lot of retailers go, right? It's one of the fastest ways to just ramp up sales. You can drop a product on there. Um, you know, if you spin up your own site, you obviously people have to come to the site, but on Amazon, you can just drop some products and maybe there's a bunch of other men's grooming products, but people kind of find yours for whatever reason. And you can also just get some sales. So like, how do you make that decision and why, I guess, early on? Yeah, I mean, we we can hop on kind of like the time machine and go back to those early days. Like Beard Brand's been around since 2012. And we first started with like our YouTube channel, our blog, our Tumblr page. So there wasn't even a, a business behind Beard Brand. Like Beard Brand's always been focused on the community first rather than this company just trying to, to push products. And what happened is... So you started, um, we, the, you started the social, like a YouTube page before you even had the products to sell? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So we okay. had that going for like a year and we built a very, very modest community, like 300 followers on, on YouTube and just like a couple hundred or maybe a couple thousand visitors to the blog a month. So it wasn't anything that's going to like blow, blow anyone out of the water when we started our business. There's a good point there though, right? Because you don't need, you don't need like 300,000 people to start off. You need those 300, if they are your people, your tribe, um, you can you could sell to almost all 300 of them. Um, and if they're your tribe and something like this is a grooming product, they're going to be repeat buyers. So you don't need a, it's not like you need to go out there and hit this, you know, people hit Instagram influencers and you hear people, you know, the influencer had a 2 million person audience or whatever. You don't need that. You just need the right audience. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, for me and, and for beard brand, all I needed was, was one order. And it was that one order, which was just like a drug for me. And I was like, oh man, this is the greatest feeling <laughs> in the world. I need more of that. And yep. then it would be like two orders and then three orders and four orders. But I mean, like in those early days, like Beard Brand is is like my first successful business. Like I've had other projects that really never got off the ground. And and, and Beard Brand, we were able to, you know, through through hard work and, and, you know, luck and a little bit of timing, we're kind of like the first player in, the first major player in the, the beard care market. And in those early days, like, you know, people had no idea what the product was. So it was a lot of education and, and that really was beneficial to us because that's kind of our business model is educating our audience, build the community, give them resources, and then like integrate the product into our communication, but never do like the hard sales. So we're not like a, in those early days, we weren't like a data-driven company. We weren't like scraping like what's the hottest selling company, you know, products on Amazon and how can I make it two cents cheaper? And then, you know, blah, 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 blah. So like, that's always been kind of like part of our, our brand ethos and what our company is about. What were you, what kind of content were you creating though? Um, like if it wasn't a hard sell, what kind of, what's an example of just what you're yeah, doing? Yeah, I mean, so uh, our YouTube channel, we now have uh, over a thousand videos and, um, you know, 1.2 million subscribers. And uh, the, the, the question I like to say is how many videos about growing a beard can you make? Uh, the answer is one. You just you just wait, and then you have a beard, and that's pretty much <laughs> the video. But in all seriousness, you can get like a little more granular with it. So we'd have a video like how to grow the beard, how to maintain the beard, how to style a beard that's short, how to style a beard that's long, 
you know, how to style a beard that's super curly, how to trim your beard, how to shape your beard, how to style your mustache, like, boom, I just listed off like 10 videos. And then like you again, kind of do that with multiple talents. So I have my perspective and then we brought on additional talent like Greg Brzezinski, Jeff Von Cristiano. These guys would give their experience. And then uh, we started integrating like, um, how do we kind of like show how gr good grooming can happen? So we started filming our barbershop uh, videos. So we'd go in there, we'd film a, a guy getting his hair cut, his beard trimmed, and then have the barber kind of walking through that process, how they're doing it, and it really allows our audience to understand like how they can communicate to their barber and describe to their barber like what exact haircut I'm looking for and then show the barber the video and be like, this is the haircut that I'm looking for. Like, I want to look like this guy in this video. And then like you're you're breaking down those walls of communication and, and really bringing like a lot of value to the customers. And then of course, like if you're doing a barbershop video and then at the end of the cut, they apply some product, some styling balm, some, some beard oil to get it to... To, to the shape that they want or you know if i'm i'm talking about like how i style my beard at home then of course you utilize your products or how i trim my beard showing them with my scissors so it's more of like a a product placement than like oh here's this product and this feature and abc and da 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 da, da. yeah so you're almost your own influencer before influencers were a thing yeah, right by yeah, the sound of it uh, yeah, I mean, and I can, this this will kind of segue well into Amazon is like, as an organization, we're, we're big fans of, of being able to control our own destiny. And the way we looked at it is like, yeah, we could build a business on the backs of a bunch of different influencers, but you know, what if they got in a car wreck or what if they got a DUI or what if they, you know, they beat their partner or their girlfriend and got arrested and, you know, the whole Jared of Subway deal, like Subway built their whole business on on Jared and that's great and all until you find out he's a pedophile and it's like <laughs> i know i'm not yeah. a pedophile and i'm a pretty good dude and like you know if um like i can be in control of of the brand by by essentially doing all this in-house so we, we worked hard to 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 build our own influencers knowing that it would take three years or four years or five years or a really long time to kind of get to that critical mass but because we were bootstrapped because we didn't have any vc money because we didn't have any debt or or loans, we were able to take our time and build the business the way that we wanted to build it. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like, Oh, sorry, go on. Well, I was going to say, it's kind of like Amazon. We, we actually did dip our toe in like the whole Amazon water. And, you know, in hindsight, like if, if I knew Amazon was going to be the beast that it became, you know, maybe it would have made sense in those early days to, to try to build my business in Amazon. But uh, it goes to, to what we were saying before we started recording about how, you know, Amazon can just snap their fingers and then all of a sudden, all your business is, is shut down and you're not generating any revenue anymore. So, you know, to me, like, I, I can't imagine, like, living that life. Can you imagine, like, going to bed every night worried that if all your business is going to be shut down the next day? Like, bless those companies' hearts. Like, I know you're making tons of money, but get on the wrong side of Amazon or, or piss off some black hatter or gray hatter who, like, you know, does shady stuff to your account. And, you know, it's just, to me, it's just not a world I wanted to live in. Yeah. We were talking before we uh, press record about, I interviewed uh, Chris McCabe a while, a while back. Um, and what he does is his business is if you get in trouble with Amazon, he can come in and help you with that and work through the problem with you and realizing that that fixing that problem is a business in itself. Um, 
there's a lot of people with this problem. And obviously it's a, if you have that problem, it's big, right? Because they can just shut off your order flow and it, you can go from having a very large business to overnight, like you said, wake up Monday morning to having zero orders and a bunch of people at your company just sitting there, uh, hanging around. So yeah. So, and that's, that's scary, right? Having someone else in control of everything like that and just kind of turn off the faucet. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, there's obviously a lot of advantages of, of being on Amazon and, and the audience that they fostered. Like I said, we were selling on Amazon through a third party. So we would sell to this, this retailer who would sell on Amazon. And what we were going to do was actually, instead of pulling off of Amazon last year, we were going to double down. We were going to hire someone we're going to make our listings amazing. We are going to just like blow it out of the water on Amazon. We're going to make like seven figures like everyone else and their, their mom is talking that they're doing on Amazon. And like, this was going to be like a big boost to the business. So what happened is like, we, we stopped fulfilling orders to this third party. We go through a, a pretty long hiring process. We can't really find the right candidate, but in the process, our Amazon retailer, they essentially sold out a product. So we're no longer selling products on Amazon. And a funny thing happened is our, our sales on our website started boosting. Wow. And, and, and so like, I'll, I'll get for all the numbers people out there, let's say I was, I was selling like a thousand dollars to our retailer. That means on Amazon, he would have been selling it for $2,000. Yep. So I would have been happy if, if on Amazon, you know, we were essentially making that $2,000 on our website and additional revenue, but it turns out we were making about $4,000 more on our website. And that's because of Amazon fees plus processing. No, no. Yeah. I mean, so this is just like top line, okay. top line numbers. So what I suspect happens is we create all this content on YouTube. People want to buy our products cause they know it's good. They know our, our, our products class leading. So they'll go to our website, they'll do all the research. And then they go to Amazon and they search beard brand and they buy the product because they trust Amazon. They trust the buying experience on Amazon. And then what happens is Amazon, you know, of course is this huge marketplace and they'll recommend, you know, XYZ company brush and, you know, XYZ company beard balm and whatever. So the consumer ends up spending, you know, let's say like $50 Whereas half of that is our product. So they spend 25 bucks for our product and then 25 bucks on something else. Well, now that they can't get our products on Amazon, what they're doing is coming to our store and now they're buying that $25 product, but then they're also buying our brush. They're buying our comb, they're buying our balm and they're ending up spending the same they'd spend on Amazon getting the same stuff, but now it's just all of our products. So I think that's kind of what happened was, um, we had a really low AOV on Amazon and uh, Amazon didn't do a good job for us, like cross-promoting our products to our customers. And really, they're not your customers. They're Amazon customers as well. Yeah, so that's a really good point that that cross-sell opportunity, that upsell opportunity is essentially in Amazon's hands, right? And they, they're going to do the cross-sell, but it might not be with you. Um, so someone's, like you said, someone's going to that sale, but it might not be you. And then you also have to first rely on them to do the upsell because sometimes you buy you know, you buy something and they say, would you also like, and the products are completely unrelated. Um, and that kind of stinks because you'd be better off, right? You know, your brand, you know, your products, and you know, if somebody buys X, then here are the complimentary and you can do it. You're probably not doing it at, you said 160 SKUs 
at this like, um, you're not doing it like machine learning. You can just, you know, the right products that go, you know, what products go with what products you can just set a static list, but Amazon obviously has to do it at scale. They have to kind of guess their guesses are most likely to be worse than yours. And they're most likely not going to pick yours. Right. So you're losing all those cross sells. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like obviously it's sexy to say, Hey, we are able to pull off of Amazon and make all this money. But the reality is like, we wouldn't have been able to do that if we didn't have all these YouTube videos, if we didn't have all this blog content, if we didn't, you know, do all these guest articles across the internet, if we didn't have like a strong, you know, direct to consumer website already, you know? So I think it's important for people to realize, like if you're 90% on Amazon, you have to, before you pull off of Amazon, you have to start building that infrastructure to allow people to, to feel confident and comfortable on buying from your website. You know, we did a lot of things operationally, like we're fulfilling our own packages. So we're sending stuff out within 24 hours and yeah, maybe we're a day slower, a couple days slower than Amazon, but it's still, it's still on it. And then where we beat Amazon is our packaging is amazing. Like we, we put a little black paper tissue lining, we give free samples with orders. We have like a, a nice little thank you kit that we put in there and then we package it all nicely so that the presentation is amazing. And all this is like, um, way better than anything you'd ever get from buying on Amazon. And yeah, you give up a day, but I, I think consumers or especially our consumers really appreciate that direct experience that they're getting from us. Well, and the products you're selling are products that you don't just buy once and then ever again. So they're products where, you know, you want that relationship um, and you having that it's a very valuable thing. So it's not just that average order value. It's like the lifetime value of that customer is much greater. You owning it. Um, so you're going to lose a few sales, but in the long run, I'm, I don't know how often some of these products I'm assuming every 30, 60, 90 days have to be kind of replenished often. Uh, some of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of them, except for like our grooming tools, uh, like our combs, but even then, like I recommend that you have a comb for your office, a comb for your backpack, comb for your car and a comb for your, your office or, or not your office, your, uh, your bathroom. So you can just like grab it at, at any time and start combing your beard or combing your hair. Well, in the point you said too about the packaging, right? So you could easily see, you know, a, uh, the holidays, someone buys that as a gift for their husband or whatever. Um, and in that, maybe it's just a tool set and maybe in that package you can insert, Hey, here's some products as well. Um, to go try Here's a coupon, whatever they can come back to the site and now they can start every 30, 60 days buying from you and become a, a lifelong customer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's, we've got some customers who have ordered from us, you know, like 50 or 60 times, just an, an amazing amount. Um, and it's one of those things where they'll, they'll get on our subscription plan. And then, you know, if, if they have too many products and they, they spread the word, you know, they, they, they get the, the bottle to their, their son or their brother or their friends, their office workers, and just kind of like, you know, be a steward for, for like, you know, helping the world look, look and feel awesome. Yeah. It seems like this is a much more, um, I don't know, like a long-term relationship sort of e-commerce business where often I talk to folks and it's very transactional. Like you're buying something mm -hmm. that this will be the one time you bought that. Um, someone was talking to they sells mattresses, right? Um, you're not going to, you're not going to buy a mattress today and say in a month from now, Hey, let's just go buy a second one. Like maybe you need one of the kids room, but you're not going to keep buying them. You're, you have a finite amount of mattresses you can buy. 
at any given time. But this is something where it's a relationship and you can keep buying it. Um, same deal, actually the exact opposite, like Dollar Shave Club. I do that and I know every month I get the razors and they send packaging and they have some upsells and that sort of thing. And it's, it's an ongoing relationship versus the standard kind of transactional model that you see in e-commerce. Yeah. And I, I think there's, there's a little room for both, you know, there's a little room to, to have that transactional, to, to try new products that, that maybe you're on the fence with, and then also have that, that subscription for the ones that are tried and true and, and you know, are going to, to work within your own grooming routine. Gotcha. Are you doing any Amazon currently? Are you, did you completely pull out? You're done with that at retailer now? Yeah. So, so January, the beginning of January, 2018, we're, we're completely off of Amazon. Anything that you see on Amazon from beer brand or either like a, an arbitrage play. So they're buying from our website and reselling on, on Amazon and, you know, bless the, the hearts for the people who, who are buying those products or their stolen products uh, or their counterfeit products. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, I would I would not buy our products on Amazon if you see them on there. Huh. Is there anything you can do about that or is that something you're not Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so what we do is uh, any photograph we take, uh, the photography, we'll do uh, uh, copyright takedowns. So they're, they're using the photographs without our permission. So we have that. We're, we're on brand registry with Amazon. And then, um, you know, outside of like arbitrage, there's nothing we can do about that. And then if, if they stole the products like from, from Target, uh, we have distribution in Target or if they stole it from, you know, some, you know, one of our retailers or something like that, there's, there's really nothing we can do about that. And then counterfeiters, I, I suppose we, if, if it was a counterfeit, we could order the product and, and then submit it. But we, we tend not to do that. We tend to just tell our customers, if you're buying on Amazon beard brand products, you're going to have a bad time. There's, there's nothing good about it. Yeah, that's a good so you said you also sell Target and what other retailers as well? So uh, Target is is our only mass retailer. And then we work with like a lot of small and independent barbershops and salons and then like pharmacies or, or drugstores that are kind of on the independent or retailers like men's style clothes and, and stuff like that. Um, but we have a, a, probably about like 300 retailers around around the nation who carry our products. And then Target has about 1,900 stores. Wow. So how, when did that actually start happening in the whole timeline of the company? Was that something you guys wanted to originally, or is that something over time you built the brand and then you approached them or they approached you? Yeah. So with Target, we, um, we, we of course built the brand and, and we had the strategy of, of wanting to work with, you know, select retailers, um, first and premium retailers first, um, premium department stores. And after about uh, Target had been pitching us for a long time because they're, they're really trying to build out their, their men's grooming um, section within their stores. And we kind of told them, no, we're not ready. We're not ready. We still want to focus on like the smaller retailers. And then after um, after about year five, we had always said like at, at year five, like depending on, on what kind of tractions we've gotten with the smaller retailers and the, the premium retailers um, that we consider going into to mass mass retail. So again, like Target had been contacting us, contacting us. So finally we're like, okay, we'll, we'll make it happen. So what we essentially did is because we still want to maintain that relationship with um, the premium and select retailers is uh, we have uh, a stand, I, I would call it like a, a standard 
line and a premium line, our silver line and our gold line, which is available at beardbrand.com. And then those products are available to our our barbershop salons and our specialty retailers. And then Target gets access to our value line, which is our white line, and it's only sold in Target. It's not even sold on beardbrand.com. So there's no competition. Like you, you can't get the the the, 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 the higher-end products uh, at Target. And I, I think it's really a, a win-win because then, then we're developing products more for the Target shopper. And, and then obviously uh, the specialty shops prefer that exclusivity where they don't have to fight with a major retailer uh, head-to-head. That's a, I like that concept. Was that something you, you came up with or was that something you kind of got inspiration from someone else on? Um, I, I don't know where the idea came from, but just from talking with a lot of people in the industry, like that's the, the big reason you don't want to go to those, those big markets is because you risk alienating the smaller retailers. And we have a fair number of, of retailers that we wanted to, to really foster that relationship and grow that relationship and, and, and be their best um, supplier for them. And I, I, I don't think it's very considerate to, to make them have to compete with a completely different business model that's based on volume and bulk. And we wanted to make sure that they could maintain their relationship with their customers by, by giving them a unique experience. So, um, yeah, it was just through like talking with, with other people in the industry, getting inspiration. Um, I, I, I don't think I came up with the strategy myself or, or we came up with it originally at Beard Brand, but um, so I'm sure there's someone out there, but I, I, I don't know if I could put it on a single person. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's a very clever, right? Because the, also the people buying at a salon are probably very different than people, you know, going through Target and just randomly picking on the shelf, right? So at Target, you're going to have to compete against X number of lines and it's more just competing on, you know, packaging and price. But when you're talking, going to an, a very, a small, like a boutique retailer, even like a salon, that sort of thing, there's probably someone there that are, is recommending the product based on talking to the person. So it's a very different buying process where you go into a small retailer and say, here's a problem having, what do you recommend versus target? You just look and say, you know, I need some, yeah, you know, that I, looks cool. Yeah. This looks, I, I like the package. Okay, good price. Yeah. fits my budget. It's same price as all these packages looks cool. Let's do it. Um, so the whole experience is very different and it's not like you go and target and ask the guy, um, at the end of the aisle, Hey, which, you know, here's the, here's the problem having, here's the skin problem. What do you recommend? Um, <laughs> You just kind of what? Well, I'll I'll give I mean I'll give Target props. They have um, um, about three hundred or four hundred specialty stores where they're they're actually building out these oh, wow. like men's grooming kiosk where it's they're going to start staffing and educating their their customers and their team members on the various products they're carrying and they're carrying like great brands. I mean, obviously, I'm biased because they're carrying beard brand, but, but it's not just like the, the giant Unilever L'Oreal Procter and Gamble brands, but it's a lot of like smaller independent brands that are really doing some unique things with their formulations. So it's, it's really exciting to be next to these other amazing brands at target. And I think it elevates the, the experience as a whole, like target is, is investing in our industry. And I mean, I think they're doing men's grooming better than like, you know, uh, like a high-end retailer, like a Sephora is doing for men's grooming. You know, Sephora, of course, does an amazing job for, for women's skincare and, and women's uh, makeup and things like that, but they've completely neglected men's grooming. And, and I, again, bias, completely biased, I recognize that, but but uh, Target is doing an amazing thing. Yeah, it sounds like they're really doubling down in the industry, right? Where 
maybe there's some hole in the market, right? Where they're just, they're going all in for it, right? Because if they have a kiosk or actually staffing, that's kind of a big, a big play nowadays. Let re- nowadays yeah, and I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to misquote that because I, I don't know the target operations yep. exactly. But, you know, I, I don't know if it'll be specifically staffed in that area or just, you know, better trained, yep. better cross-trained for, for, for the, the general products and what they can provide. Got it. Now, if that's something that, kind of a question that comes to mind, if that's something that works, having kind of those different tiers for the premium and kind of the general line, would would there ever be a case to say, let's have a lower tier that sells it like an Amazon and that sort of thing and having just a different a different product line that sells on an Amazon? Or is that something you, you just found not even to consider? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll tell you like, the nice thing about building a business is you can build the business however you want it. And you're always going to have trade-offs and sacrifices with the decisions that you make, some positive, some negative. So here's the deal. Like we sold on Amazon directly and I, I frankly didn't like the emails as to the way Amazon communicated with me. So I, I understand they're like bulk emails and they're not sent out personally, but it was very threatening and it was like, we're in charge. You got to get your act in line or, you know, we're going to shut you down is pretty much how all their language was. And like we would do things like um, in the early days when we sold on Amazon, we would just sell out so quickly. We were just moving so much product that quickly. And then we would reach out to the customer and we'd be like, hey, look, uh, this product is currently sold out. What I can do is I can upgrade you to one of our, our gold line products free of charge, get it out to you. And they're like, no, I'll just wait. It's fine. If, you know, it, it's coming in in a week or whatever. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. So it's like the customer told us what they wanted. We provided a solution, but because of the the Amazon algorithms, all of a sudden they're, they're looking at us like we're a bad re- retailer. And, you know, I'm just like, screw that. Like, I don't take pressure. I don't give pressure. If, if people want to talk rudely to me, like I don't talk rudely to people. And if they're going to talk rudely to me, then I'm just not going to allow them to be in my life. And like, that's the beauty of, of building the, the business the way we did is like, we have amazing vendors, you know, we have amazing suppliers, we have amazing customers. And if any of them are like dicks to my employees or to my team members or to me or my business partner, they're out because we got options and we've built a business that gives us a life that we want already. You know, I'm pretty content with life and yes, I want to grow it and, and get exposure to more people, but not at the, the sanctity of, of, of my well-being and my, my, you know, like just not having to worse worry or, or have anxiety over, or how, how my business should be run. I love, I love that concept. I think, um, was it Derek Shivers? Um, the founder of CD baby wrote a book a while back. I forget the title. But one of his things in there is you're essentially starting a business and you're designing your own utopia, whatever that looks yeah. like, right? And whether it's a dictatorship or a democracy or whatever it is, but you're basically allowed to like build whatever you want. And the people you hire, the people that you bring into that are the ones that want to be in that universe with you. So if you have that, you know, if you want to have that business and you're a jerk and you attract other jerks, then that's cool. You, you're, you're actually allowed to do that. But if you don't want yeah, that, you're well, allowed to do that too. And I want to say like they're jerks, but maybe they're like, you know, profit focused or or money focused at the expense of other things. And that's cool too. And that's, that's a beautiful thing about building a business is like, there's so many different ways to do it. And, and I mean, I love 
I love just not having to deal with Amazon. And yeah, maybe I could make another million bucks or two million bucks, but what is that going to get me? Like a slightly nicer car, you know, slightly bigger house. Like I, I got a nice car. I got a nice house. I got great friends. I got a great wife. I got a loving child, you know, like I've got so much in life to be thankful for. Why am I going to put myself through? Why am I going to put myself and my team through miserable experiences to, to get slightly better things that, that I don't even want or need? I love it. That's, that is uh, some great words of wisdom. I like that. So if people want to find more about you, order some products, um, or just check out the YouTube videos, what can they do so? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Beard Brand uh, is the great place to go. Visit our website and buy everything there. You will uh, thank me later. Uh, in all seriousness, we've, we've got some amazing products and a, an amazing customer experience that, you know, you can kind of dig in to see how we ship our products out and how we package things together. And then I'm the only Eric Banholtz uh, in the world. So if you Google me, um, Twitter and Instagram are uh, really my two social media channels. And then, of course, Beard Brand is it, Beard Brand. If you just Google Beard Brand, where the, we've got all the domains and social media accounts. So, whatever your preferred social media platform is, feel free to to reach out to Beard Brand. Awesome. I will uh, link to that on the show notes. So, thank you for coming on today. And if people haven't seen the video, definitely check it out. The awesome beard. I love it. So, it was a uh, great chatting with the Eric. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.